the next five weeks are, are going to be interesting. We're excited about this, uh, Pastor Trent and myself. We're going to talk about contrast, and, and here's the homework that I, I want you to wrestle with. I, I want you to, to read First John, so your mind disconnects from the rest of what I'm saying. I'd love for you to read First John. We're going to look at what John said in those five chapters and how they're in contrast with each other. So John would say something that is really positive, and then he gives us this image on the other side of the fence that, man, this is what's happening in the world. This is the brokenness of the world. So we have the, the wholeness that comes with God and the brokenness that's kind of in this world. And so we're going to walk through five weeks of First John. Tonight, today, sorry, we're going to start with this knowing Jesus brings joy. Um, and, and so that's where we're headed. If you look on the screen behind me, 1 John chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, it'll just be on the screen behind me. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, here's what John wrote. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. Here John's just trying to unpack for these, these people who are reading this that I've seen it. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. It's not just talk. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. This is that inclusion. That's why the 60th anniversary on the Saturday actually matters to us because we're going, we have this knowledge of a Savior, do you? We have this hope, do you? And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. We're going to come back, hold on to that last verse there with joy. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Here's what 1 John 2, 12 through 14 says. I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. John's going to just keep hammering the fact that it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. You've actually conquered. I'm writing to you who are God's children because you know the Father. He's going through the list of everybody that's included, the inclusion. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you're strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Jesus is an actual person. John touched him. He listened to him. He saw him with his own two eyes. The Jesus that, that John actually is telling people about is for everyone from all walks of life. It doesn't matter if you're the educated, if you're the young, if you're the old. It's for everyone. No matter what your faith is in Christ, Jesus is applicable. John is sharing and proclaiming this real Jesus. We see a shift. It's not just this theology about Jesus. It's not just these 
facts about Jesus. It's actually this real Jesus that's lived out. And John, if you went back to 1 John chapter 1 at that last verse that we read in, in 4, he's talking about joy. As we get into this sermon series, Trent and I have this desire that we want everyone to come to know this real Jesus. Not this Jesus that maybe you grew up with in Sunday school. Maybe this, this Jesus that, that you kind of talk about on certain holidays. Not this Jesus that is kind of this, this person over here, but he doesn't translate into your life. No matter where you are in this face spectrum, I guarantee there's going to be something in the next few weeks for you. Jesus is for you. And Jesus, when we actually encounter Jesus, we find great joy. It seems like verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1 of 1 John is saying, you know what? We want you to be a part of our group. We want you to join us. We want you to have fellowship with us. We want you to, to be what we are. We want you to have fellowship. And in all of that, that will actually bring us joy. I don't know if you sense this this morning, but there's been a lot of laughter. That is a great thing in a church. That's actually a health mark in a church. When we walk in solemn and don't really want to be here, and just kind of enter in and exit, enter in and exit, then, then we just start to believe in a religion. But when Jesus starts to impact us, and we have stories to tell of how Jesus is working in us, it actually causes us to have great joy. Uh, rather than, than great hardship. So we want to invite you, Trent and I, over the next few weeks to experience contrast. Here's, here's where we're headed the next four weeks after today. The next week, Trent's going to talk about how, how do we live in the light and not in darkness. What does that actually look like? It's not just going to be a lecture or a sermon just on sin. Sometimes that's what we just kind of tag it to is, well, I'm not sinning, I'm not doing the wrong thing, so I must be in the light. No, that's not necessarily the case. The week after that, uh, Trent's going to speak again just on how when we trust in Jesus and we have this thing called believing hearts, we actually find rest. Some of you came in this morning going, you know what, I, it's not just sleep I need. What does it actually mean to have rest in, in Jesus? When we, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, how do we actually find great, great rest and, and live the life with the rhythm that, that Jesus talks about? Then I'm going to come back in three weeks and I'm going to talk about what does it actually mean to love God and do what he says? It's not just a list we're going to create, but how do we actually create this rhythm for our life about, about loving God? And out of that rhythm, actually do the things that God calls us to. We never want to feel like this. Oh, I have to do this. So when you hear that 60th anniversary, I would hate for you to go, well, I have to do this because Pastor Matt or Bob or someone's asking me to do this. No, we actually want to start to develop this rhythm where we go, oh, this is just a natural part of my life. And then that, that last one there is God's love makes you fearless, which is going to be great because... It's going to be on the tail end of our 60th anniversary. Is how, how do we actually live this fearless life? Rather than kind of all our decisions as Christ followers have this, oh, it's, it's attached to fear. I don't know what people are going to think. I don't want to do that. So 
That's where we're headed. Let's pray. We're going to look quickly in at joy. God, may your words be the words that we hear in the next few minutes. Put me so far in the background that my friends do not see Matt, but they truly hear the words of a father who has a great plan for them. May we understand joy today. As we begin this series on contrast from 1 John, what does it actually mean to have joy when we fix our eyes on you? We love you in your name. Amen. You know, we, we, we sing those songs. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. That Christmas song might ring in your head. Another Christmas song, and it seems like Christmas has joy attached to it a lot. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Uh, a relatively new chorus has this as a tagline, you shall go out with joy and the trees of the field will clap their hand. Shout to the Lord, I sing for joy at the work at your hands. Or maybe this one, this will take you back to camp. I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where down in my heart? Where down in my Okay, you can be singing that the rest of the service. Thanks, Trent, for that. Uh, you know what? That song actually has its own Wikipedia page. So what is joy? And why is it so important for us as Christ followers, as Christians, to actually live this life full of joy? Uh, when I was a, a, a kid, uh, there were times when the info commercial started to become a reality. And I can remember watching certain commercials and thinking, I, there's nothing I want. And then all of a sudden, on one info commercial, because I golfed, I saw the putoscope. Dave Barr, a great Canadian golfer, could not miss a putt with the putoscope. And so I thought, this is going to take me from golf at this level to golf at this level, so I need to purchase myself a putoscope. And so I talked to my dad, and my dad, I don't know if he was just tired of me that day, he said, sure, you can use my credit card. And I ordered off KTEL the putoscope. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and all of a sudden, in the mail came the putoscope. And if you ordered at a certain time, you got the ball retriever at the bottom. So I got a ball retriever and I got the putoscope. Now the putoscope looked amazing on television. When I opened the box, it didn't look so amazing. But I gave it a chance and it was a mirror that you like glued onto the back of your putter, which then makes it illegal. So I'm not sure how this... You glued it on the back of your, your putter, and it had a mirror that would, had a line, and it would line up, and I bought the putoscope. So I went to golf at McCall Lake Golf Course with the putoscope on my putter. On the first hole, I was ready to sink that birdie putt, and guess what happened? The putoscope fell off and broke. My joy of having the putoscope was suddenly thrown into despair. I think we as Christians have the same kind of struggles. Maybe if I get that home, maybe if I have the right friends, maybe if I have this strategy that is for my life, that's going to help me. 
And it's almost like if there was an info commercial for Christians, we'd be the first ones calling going, I need that. You know, I think for my life, I struggle with the definition, the definition of joy. I almost make joy this pursuit that uh, always ends in failure. Almost like in the morning, like this Sunday morning, I've got to put on the shirt of joy. Like I'm going to church, I, I better have joy just oozing from me. We almost equate it to the armor of God. It's the shirt of joy. Why didn't they include that in the, the list? So what is joy? Let me define joy. I believe joy is tuning into what God is doing around you, seeing the world through his eyes, picking up on his delight. Anyone can find happiness for a while. Happiness depends on what is happening around you. Joy is different. Joy is, is deeper. Joy is, is when your whole being sings because you've caught a glimpse of God at work. Joy can creep up on you in the midst of a really terrible situation. It can surprise you. Because God loves us, he wants us to be joyful. Joyful is a critical fruit for us all to have. Because it, it actually shows the world that there is an antidote to all the cynicism and despair that surrounds us on a daily basis. The brokenness of this world actually deflates joy. Joy becomes something that's elusive, that's never attainable. Almost something that we're jealous of when people have joy. You know, if we looked in the dictionary and came up with a definition for joy, we would see this, that it's the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Keen pleasure. Elation. That didn't help me at all. That definition almost sounds like when I eat bacon in the morning. So, what does God say about joy? What, what does God say about joy? God says this in Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if I, if I looked at that from Galatians 5, it would say this to me, that as I start to love God, I actually have joy. So maybe that's the starting place for us this morning. Maybe you and I need to get to a place where we actually evaluate, do I love God or do I just love the concept of God? Because if we look at this from Galatians 5, it seems like it starts in love. If I love God, then there seems to be a piece of joy. And as I have joy, it seems to be that I have peace. And as I have peace, it seems like I become more of a patient person. Now, that's matology. I'd love for you to wrestle through that. But it seems to me that these things all build on each other rather than it's the buffet where I go, man, I like jello and I'm going to grab some jello and I'm going to grab this over here and I'm going to grab that over there. It seems like God's way of, of telling us about how to have joy or peace or patience actually leads from a place where it all starts in our love for Him. Maybe I need to start learning to love God and love people. Maybe out of that comes joy. 
because I'm living the life that God calls me to live. My life makes sense and I operate in peace. I love what Pope Francis said, and he said this a couple years ago. Profound words. If we really want to welcome Jesus into our lives and prolong the joy of that holy night, the path that's indicated by his gospel, give witness to Christ in humility and silent service without being afraid of going against the current and paying the price. That's joy. Joy is found in service. Joy is, is not something that I get from, my, from surroundings, but rather it's a byproduct of service. I believe joy is when our heart begins to sing because we've caught a glimpse of God at work. Hebrews 12.2 says this, We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who have talked about Jesus. Let's, let, let us lay aside every encumbrance, anything that's going to hold us back, the sin that easily entangles us. Let us run that race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Joy, when you endure the cross, was that joy? Wasn't Jesus struggling in the garden? Wasn't Jesus struggling before he went to the cross? Joy. How can that much pain and scorn be a joyful experience? If you remember nothing else this morning, remember this simple line. I believe that joy is the byproduct of surrender. It follows surrender. Our Christian life starts in surrender. When we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we simply go like this, my hands aren't on the wheel. But for the majority of us, that's the last time that we actually surrendered. And Jesus calls us to take up our cross daily. Don't take anything on this journey. Are you doing the Father's will? If we actually moved our lives to surrender, then maybe we would be people of true joy. That joy that Jesus took to the cross. Henry Nouwen said this, Joy doesn't simply happen to us. You and I have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Philippians 1, 3 through 6 says this, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. Because what? Your partnership in the gospel. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus I like to say this in my life, the greatest way that I can show God I love him is by obeying him. That's surrender. If you want to have more joy in your life, then I want to encourage you to have more surrender in your life. When we surrender, I believe we understand the joy of God. Well, Matt, what are joy killers or joy stealers in my life? It's really simple. When I become selfish or when I become prideful, when I start to take my eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, like it says in Hebrews 12, when we start to move away from that life of surrender, when we start to make it all about me, 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 then my hunt for joy suddenly becomes the standard for me, rather than joy becoming a byproduct of me actually following Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said this, 
There is a marvelous medicinal joy power that's found in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste, comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious, but the grace of joy is, is, is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you influence over the lives of others. I want that. Let me end with this. In Mark chapter 2, we read this story of four guys who did whatever it took to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They climbed through a roof. They broke through the roof. They lowered their friend down because they knew if their friend saw Jesus, he would be changed. In verse 12 of that, in Mark chapter 2, it says this, the man got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and everyone said this, we've never seen anything like this. Who were the people that were the most joyful? His four friends. Joy is when you join in the activity of God here on earth. Joy is pointing people to Jesus, taking them by the hand, lowering them through a roof, functioning as the true family of God. In just under a month, you have the opportunity in a real tangible way as the community of Renfrew Baptist Church to experience joy. That's not an emotion, but rather a lifestyle. Our 60th celebration isn't going to be so much of us looking backwards, but rather, than, but rather us looking forward. This celebration weekend is going to be about all of us, not just a few of us, all of us reaching out to our community with a job that we only have in Christ. You see, our joy is only seen because we've seen Jesus. As you leave here today, you have the opportunity to change the world and change this church by being people of surrender, which then brings about joy to the world that doesn't have any. Teresa of Avilia penned this little prayer in the 1500s. It is my prayer for you as we walk into our 60th celebration. Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Let's pray. God, in the next few minutes of this service, may you be a God who speaks to us very clearly. For some of us, we utter the words that we're all in for Jesus, but our life does not reflect that. 
For some of us, Jesus has just been a word that we've used at certain points in the year, but we really haven't surrendered to you. For some of us in this room, we know exactly what you're calling us to, and we're fighting against that. Lord, may we discover true joy in our life, that, that fullness, that completeness, that, that promise that you give us, that you've come and that we may have life to the full. May we truly understand that. We love you, we adore you. If I said anything that wasn't of you, may you take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people.